Slaves of the Global Plantation. The Vinnie Eastwood Show is bad news. It's like the news, but worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show. We're the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists. It's Vinny's jokes. My very special guest today is uh, uh, the one, the only, the uh, the, the right honourable, uh, Brenton Faithful. Brenton, welcome to the programme. Oh, thanks, Vinny. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you. I get that a lot. Now, we, we, we wanted to talk to you a, a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what it is you do. And uh, you've been uh, cast out of the uh, a side of your uh, political party of late. So let's just sidestep that issue just a little bit here. <laughs> and because there's a reason why people were actually interested uh, uh, with you in the, in the first place, which would be uh, your role as a funeral director during this whole health scare. Um, but just before we get into that, I would like to uh, remind people that the Vinnie Eastwood Show is a listener-supported broadcast, so please go to com. That's Vinnie with a Y, because it's the most important question. And Eastwood, like, go ahead, make my news. And go ahead, ladies and gentlemen, make a donation of uh, $5 a week, set up the uh, automatic payments to support the long-running work that has been going on this show since 2008. And since the deplatforming and what have you, where we lost all 65,000 subscribers off of YouTube and uh, various other uh, uh, terrible things happening, uh, we really do need your support now more than ever. So that's the com. Now, let's get to our very special guest, Brenton Faithful. Brenton, thank you so much for coming on. Please give us a little bit about who you are and uh, what it is you do. And bear in mind, we've got an hour. So, you know, when people say, I want to cut a long story short, that's not the show this is. Okay. Thank you, Vinny. Thanks for the opportunity uh, to come on. Um, so, as you have mentioned in the introduction, I am a funeral director and have been a funeral director for almost 42 years. You're going to say, hey, you don't look that old. But I started after leaving university. Um, I, it was my grandmother who actually saw an opportunity for me to be involved in funeral directing. She's got the character, you've got the charisma to be a funeral director. And I said, do you know a funeral director? What do you know about funeral directing? She said, I know absolutely nothing. I just know. So I took my grandmother's wisdom. And uh, I approached a funeral director who I used to live next door to when I lived in Wellington. Flew to Wellington, had a conversation with him. He, he by this stage, had sold his business. But he was instrumental in setting up the uh, School of Funeral Directing and the School of Embalming. He'd been over to to America in the 1960s and brought back the education, set up the school. 
So since 1971, the school uh, in Wellington, which was the Central Institute of Technology, were, um, were teaching um, funeral directors. So he said, there's a lot of funeral directors owe me a favour or two around the country. I've helped every firm in, in New Zealand. So he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll get you a job. Now, as a, as a young a young lad, um, it was hard because the job I applied for, the, the proprietor of the company said, we really, as much as you're enthusiastic, we, we really need someone with a little bit of life insurance, uh, life experience, let's say, because we're dealing mainly with elderly people and, um, and, and elderly people relate better to more more senior people, so they were looking for someone. However, there was a, a, a larger number of um, sons who were coming through had done training at the um, Institute of Technology and Central Institute in Wellington, so it wasn't um, uncommon for younger people to be there. However, I got work experience with this company. They gave me work experience. The, the, the vacancy was filled, but somebody had to uh, sell their home that they'd given the job to. Uh, turns out after three months, uh, this person wrote back to the company and said, "I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come uh, to the job anymore." So that left an opening for me. I was doing work experience, unpaid work experience, and it was it was a I felt a win win for both the company and myself to now be in at the ground floor, sweeping sweeping the floors and, and doing everything a, a trainee funeral director would do, just assisting. So that's that's how I got into funeral directing um, after. 12 years experience, I decided it's time to open my own company now. Start, uh, because I was able to do things that I could see that, that having your own company would allow you to do, because as an employee, there's certain things you, you couldn't do. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I saw, saw an opportunity, saw an area that uh, wasn't serviced by uh, an incumbent funeral director. So I took an opportunity to set up my own business. It's a it's a big risk because you, you you've really got to have uh, facilities that to operate from in order to make a difference, and uh, sold up everything I owned in order to put my money into into the funeral home and began renting renting a home again. So um, so that's my career after forty two years of, so it's thirty years in the in the business. Um, I've met some wonderful people over over this time, and I really can't wait to. To put out a book, actually, of, of, of my experience as a funeral director. It's, as I said, you meet some fascinating people, you meet some people you wish you hadn't met before, but you, you're covering every spectrum of society. Death comes to all who live. We just don't know how or when it's going to happen. So sometimes it comes unexpectedly, and sometimes it comes slowly with leaden feet. But inevitably, death comes to all who live. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my career. Me, personally, um, I'm very community-minded. As a funeral director, you, you are. You, you get involved in, in as many things in the community as you can. Um, I was selected by the Honourable Lockwood Smith to become a JP in 2009. Now, he, he um, had only ever promoted two people through to be uh, a justice of the peace. It's a, it's a role that an MP usually does, is to appoint JPs, and particularly if there's a shortage in the area that you live. And uh, I think he saw merit. So after X number of years, he, he said, Brenton, I think you've got the qualities to be a fine JP. And I, I went through 
and did all my training to become a trainer of new JPs as well. So that's something uh, very community-minded, um, helping helping people as a justice of the peace. Um, I got involved in school boards. I became a, a trustee on a new school development, Ministry of Education. I got tapped on the shoulder and said, you'd be a fine person. At the time, I was president of the Lions Club and uh, also a master of a, of a Freemason's Lodge as well. So it was a, busy, a very busy time in my life. But I managed to, um, along with the other trustees, uh, get a school built in less than eight months. Um, it was an incredible number of meetings we were having. So this is experience I've had. I've um, is hobbies. I'm secretary of the Auckland Astronomical Society. I have just stepped down as after five years of being president of our own local branch radio club. I'm the secretary now. I'm the secretary uh, for the um, the club. Um, what else have I got? Well, just just there's so many things that I'm involved with. I guess in the community that I, that I enjoy. Enjoy doing being a Rotarian for 15 years. Uh, all these things, of course, take time. I have four children, four growing up children, and I've got a, a little boy who is uh, 19 months old. And uh, my wife is pregnant um, with another baby along the way. So it's uh, wonderful to be alive. Actually, it's wonderful to have uh, a beautiful family and a supportive, supportive family too. Hmm. And after uh, so many years of uh, seeing so much death, it must be some kind of uh, relief to start bringing new life into the world, eh? It is. One of the saddest things is when a child dies, and it doesn't matter how old that child is, having to to take the child, because usually a child dies, oh, we die expectedly or unexpectedly. If, the, if it's unexpected, the, 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 anyone has to go to the coroner an autopsy so the police become involved they're the agents for the coroner the last thing is you are taking that baby from the mother's arms and and having to go for an autopsy that's one of the saddest parts of the job you know the the guttural call moan of of a lady um, who's just lost a child you know and I can really relate having had children myself how, how that must feel but then I can't. I can't feel what other people feel. It's just too. Uh, it's just. It's devastating, and and that's probably part of the. It takes a special person to be a funeral director as well. You've got to remain professional. You've got to remain aloof. You've got to just remain divorced from the situation. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do your job. You know, I always say, like, surgeon. You know, it must be difficult to be a surgeon. Or a nurse too, because they're so exclusive. Um, having to, but they, they just identify um, their role and, and divorce themselves from the situation. I guess too. So if the surgeons doing an operation, the nurses are assisting with the operation. That is a person they're looking after, but they're focused on the operation, not the emotions that are a part of it. But it's certainly an emotion-filled career, and and you've got to have a good holiday every now and then to, to bring out the sponge of of grief that you've absorbed from, from everybody. But again, as I said, it's a special person. Uh, if I didn't like doing it, I wouldn't do it. So after nearly 42 years, 
it's an incredible honour to have served the community that, uh, that I've lived in. Mm. I think I have to... Uh, I share very similar feelings after being a talk radio show host and telling the truth and helping New Zealanders get their voices out uh, to the international community for 15 <laughs> years, you know, you, like that holiday. But, but yeah, man, you're talking to people on a on a show basis where they will tell you things which can be, you know, uh, quite grief strickening but you've got to maintain your composure and just keep the conversation going regardless of how it makes you feel. Um, and I think there might be a, a relatively similar skill set. And I'm reminded of this uh, story about Native American uh, tribes. I think it was a, uh, a northern, like a Canadian kind of thing. And they had this story where if a man would raise his voice above that of a clap of thunder to a child, there were these group of men that lived outside the village that would come in, grab him, and take him out into the snow and he'd never be seen again. And there's a reason why these guys don't live in the village, right? There's, uh, there's no place for them there because they're able to see things and they're able to do things which are basically hurtful to others and they need to keep themselves separate uh, to a large degree. And I think that's what happens to... A lot of people who see the uh, the coalface of uh, human suffering and grief and things of that nature, sometimes we need to be alone. Well, look, I, I can appreciate that. Uh, having to raise your voice to a child means you're, you're lacking in, in vocabulary, I think. You know, a child understands. A child is learning. This is what I'm finding with a little 19-month-old in our house now, that, that he is so aware of what's going on, both physically, emotionally, and we just talk to him as if he's an adult. He, he understands far more that he's not at a talking stage yet himself, but he can acknowledge, you know, he can run a sentence, two sentences by him. You know, I've got cold feet, I'd like my slippers. Would you be able to go and get my slippers for me? And I'll talk to him in that tone, and he'll go and get the slippers and bring them back to me, you know. So they understand, children understand a lot more. And um, and i just trying to think of the, the saying, if a, a child learned uh, Lizworth, Criticism, he learns to condemn. I can't remember the, the length of the poem, actually, but you're a product of your environment. I think nature, nurture. Um, you'll learn a lot of skill sets from your parents. If, if your parents yell at you, you chances are you're going to be a, a yelling adult yourself when you, when you become older and yell at your children. Uh, but children need rational parenting. And, and, I, and I think it's a lot of the reason we've got... A lot of issues today in, in our society. Yeah, let's take a leaf out of that book from the North American Indians and, and uh, live live with your child and and, and, and share the experience. Te- teach him, nurture him to to love, to be a child of the universe. It's, you know, it's to, just to yell at is, is demoralizing to anybody. All it does is just you just switch off so you don't have to hear hear that. And often with the yelling comes physical violence too, and that's that's certainly should be a no-no. Humans have been gifted the the, the, the ability to converse language, and um, no matter how bright or thin you are, we've all got the ability to talk, and uh, and, and should be able to dialogue our way out of any situation. 
Yeah, like Bruce Lee said, the uh, the best fight is the fight that doesn't happen because you can talk your way out of it. Exactly, yes. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So um, it, it's been it's been a privilege. Um, I'm not retired by any means. I just, I just um, bought a beautiful lifestyle property out of the country and we're going to grow our own food, fruit, sorry, fruit, and you know, food, um, solar power um, to run the, run the house and uh, 20 chickens to give us eggs and eggs for the neighbors too. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful country that we live in, in, in New Zealand. And uh, I can say it used to be better than it is now, but uh, I don't know. We've got a few issues happening in, in, I feel in the country now that need to be addressed as well. I mean, such as the scumbaggery, you know? Well, I think, well, we're talking about politics, I think. I think the, the world of politics that's existed, you know, for a couple of centuries now, people develop this unusual sense of want to be in control. And people forget that the politicians are elected by us to, to rule over us, to, to represent us. Um, you know, and, and also government is there to take care of us in terms of our safety with policing, to take care of our health with the hospital, to take care of us with education, so we're learning. But we've seen such a, um, a, a shift, let's say, in the last, I don't know, I'm thinking back, when did it start happening? Predominantly, let's say two decades, there's been a massive shift away from um, well, no, let's even go back to after the Second World War. I think you could say there was, there was an alignment. Um, we've got the, like the, the UN was created, um, which I thought was a wonderful thing. All United Nations all coming together to serve one purpose. But I just feel there's a there's a different manifestation with the UN. It's it's got a different agenda than what it was portrayed to be. It's, well, it's, I mean, uh, the the United Nations building was donated by the Rockefeller family and they the land that it was on it used to be used as a slaughterhouse and their first UN Secretary General was a former member of the Nazi High Command. That tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worldly on the UN, I haven't, but, but there's certainly a lot of things coming to light now and certainly with the politics of the world there's a lot of things coming to light now that, that these people aren't representing us. In fact, they're cunning and it seems to be conniving, creating corporations and, and things all without the people's knowledge. You know, and um, it's, it's an interesting time in the history of humanity right now. And uh, there's a lot of people who were who objecting. And that's why I stood for a political party, which I felt was going to expose, um, I guess, the, 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 what was going on with governments. Now, to me, the, the government uh, are out of control. I mean, we, we work for – we pay tax, and that's that's the slavery of, 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 of working. We, we, we pay our tax, but we've got no control on how that tax is paid. Every three years we elect the government, though, but it, it appears that it doesn't matter which government – some governments – some Political parties tend to spend more money than others, let's say, and others will try and get things correct again and, and stop the number of bureaucrats that there are. But there's just 
sheer, sheer waste. And most people go about their, their daily lives really unaware of what happens in the world of politics and the world of government. As long as they feel safe, um, as long as the government are providing for them, they, they really have no interest. And in every three years we get to have a vote. Uh, I, I, we think we're bringing in a, the, the party that appeals to the majority of people. MMP, I'm, I've never been a favour of MMP, personally. I didn't vote for it. Um, it was forced upon the, the, the German government afterwards, after the uh, war, so the Nazi party could never take power again. Now, in Germany, MMP differs slightly than our MMP in the fact that the government, the, 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 the political party that gets the most votes gets to form the government, gets to form part of the government. What we saw in 2017 were, was not that at all, the party that got the most votes didn't get to form a government. It was actually second, third and fourth. Now, can you imagine what would happen in the World Cup of rugby, for instance? Sorry, it's not the uh, the winning team. It's actually the second, third and fourth teams that we're going to give the cup to because we felt they played better. It, it, it's it's a crazy situation, MMP. So I think maybe it's time for us to take a look. I know there's been a referendum on it and people said, oh, I think, yeah, we'll keep the status quo. We'll keep it going. Um but I just don't feel it's the fairest method. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into, into that uh, politics. We, we've got MMP, we probably have MMP for, for a while yet, and there's something radical where to change. But um, politicians certainly know how to spend our money, and, and, and more, let's say, as well. And we've had a government over the last, well, the, the present government, and the government was a coalition previously, really knew how to spend spend money. So uh, it's, it's put us into huge debt as well. We had a Prime Minister who came aboard who didn't know the difference between GST and GDP and, and sort of smiled about it. Um, I, I would like to see a government made of people who have been in business before. A lot of politicians come straight straight out of university, coming straight into the political arena, have got no idea what happens in the real world. And uh, unless you've been in business yourself, you know the, the, the forecasts and the um, budgets and the profit and loss. New Zealand needs to be run. We've got a, a huge ability to to export for New Zealand, but we're seeing our ability to export diminish with rules and uh, regulations and um, permits and levies and things that have been forced upon i talk about farmers, for instance, as well. You know, New Zealand was controlling 40% of the world trade in, in dairy products. We exported 95% of, of the milk products that were manufactured in New Zealand. Um, most of it went to China, but that's okay. China's a, a trading partner. We import from China. We, it's our biggest trading partner. We import, we export in every country in the world needs to be able to export in order to, to grow its economy. Um, what we're seeing is the eradication of farming. In fact, we're told if you follow the, um, the UN's Agenda 2030, they, they want to eliminate meat from our diets, dairy products from our diet, uh, by 2030, where, where possible, because we're being pulled into this emissions trading scheme that climate change is causing the planet to warm up. Well, I put my hand on as an astronomer um, and an observer of, I guess, of, 
off the planet as well. The planet's just fine. The planet is doing really well. It's not warming up. In fact, if anything, if it did warm up, my mangoes would grow better in my garden, to be honest. Um, they grow quite well in the, in the Pacific Islands. I was at a candidate's meeting, and one candidate said, um, if we went up four degrees, there'd be no bees. Well, I know in New Way they've got bees, and they don't have varroa in them, and they're, and they're producing honey, and, and it's a lot warmer in New Way than it is in Auckland. They've got bees over there still producing honey. And uh, I, I just think the misinformation on climate change is, is alarming. But, you know, the old story, follow the money. Why, why is climate change? Because you can tax. And I think that no matter how much tax you pay, there's, there's, it's not going to lower the temperature. We've seen that occur. The Congress in America are being asked, some of the, the, the Democrats are being asked, you know, fifty trillion dollars in America. How much? How, how much will that reduce the, um, the the planet's temperature? We pay all this taxation. Uh, the, the reality is not. Humans only give off um, man-made CO two is only three percent of the CO two in the atmosphere. The rest is what's called the carbon cycle, and we learned about that in biology in the fifth form or, or fourth form science. Uh, carbon cycle. The misnomer that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Uh, is very um, apparent. Carbon dioxide is necessary for life. It's a very, uh, it's, it's a trace gas, really, 0.04% of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide, 0.04. It's, you know, four one-hundredths of a percent. It's minuscule. And, and add a couple more zeros in terms of methane. The only observable place that we see the hothouse effect or hothouse gases is on Venus which is uh, completely shrouded in 400-mile-thick layer of carbon dioxide. And the atmosphere of Venus is predominantly predominantly in CO2. So we're talking about 0.04 versus 98% CO2 on Venus. There's no comparison. Venus is a lot closer to the sun, of course, as well. Mercury, which doesn't have um, an atmosphere, it's too small for an atmosphere, um, it's one of the hottest yet coldest planets like our moon it doesn't doesn't rotate and on the coldest side it is freezing cold because space is cold but the temperature of the planet is controlled by the sun perhaps a little bit of volcano volcanic activity but predominantly it's the sun and the thing that traps the heat in is not co2 the co2 is actually heavier than air and floats it doesn't float above us it, it actually sinks down to sea level now we're, we're we're told by some that it's yes, it's, it's causing acidity in the ocean and causing crab shells to to to, to um, dissolve, but that's actually not true. That's not true. So let's look back in history. We're told in the seventies we're going to run out of oil. We're told that the polar caps are going to melt over. I think at the moment uh, scientists are saying there's more ice in Antarctica than has ever been recorded. Um, the hole in the ozone layer, it's going to destroy, it's destroy us. Well, that hole is gone. There's no reporting of that hole over the ozone layer. It actually has to do with Mount Erebus that was erupting when they first discovered it. Now, Mount Erebus isn't erupting, and the, the hole is gone. So a volcano will put out more ozone-depleting chemicals than all the fly sprays, that, you know, or the CFCs that have ever been produced in the history of the world, one volcano. So... You've got to put things in perspective, and you've got to take out the, the sensation. 
of things and, and get the facts. 98% of scientists agree with whoever's paying them. Let's, let's face it, these scientists have been paid for by governments and universities to create this story. And let's not forget that 98% of all statistics are made up. Yeah. That is true. I think they can fool people with statistics. I mean, most people don't like maths as a subject and, and probably didn't do well at school, you know, unless you are, are, are a brightest person. So statistics are very easily manipulated as well to make it in your favour or not. So as you say, 98% are made up. So. <laughs> Mark Twain says there's uh, three types of lies. Uh, lies, damned lies, and statistics. <laughs> true, true indeed. And with the climate change, you know, and uh, Agenda 2030, I mean, there's so many things about how you live your life that it will affect if it comes into uh, full implementation. You won't be eating meat, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be eating bugs. You, you won't be drinking milk, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be drinking soy milk. You know, there's... There's so many things in your life that you just won't have no more. So we'll be right back after the break at thevinnieeastwoodshow.com. Don't you go anywhere, folks. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. What's part of the plan? I'm guilty. 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 You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Extend your life with Everyone around me seems to get sick but me. My brother got the flu twice. My mother was down with some sort of fever. People at work were taking sick days off and others were just plain tired and run down. And me? Well, I just keep feeling great all the time with Extendivite. My grandfather used to talk about the power of garlic and other herbs he took that kept him healthy. I'm lucky. Extendivite was just what I needed to keep me healthy and Extendivite is all natural. Extendivite was designed for the heart but does so much more by keeping me healthy all the time. I'll take Extendivite forever. Get your two-month supply for only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. My name is Rick, and you can be like me. Just by calling 
928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that's all about what's going down. It's the Vinnie Eastwood Show. And my very special guest, Brenton Faithful, is joining me today. And I would like to remind people that the com is a listener-supported broadcast. So please go to com. That's Vinny with a Y, because it's the most important question in Eastwood. Like, go ahead, make my news. And go ahead, make a nice, generous donation there, ladies and gentlemen, and set up an automatic payment to support the ongoing work. Speaking of ongoing work, uh, Billy TK's documentary screening Roadshow is now on, and uh, I'll be joining Billy as uh, MC. And, well, I kind of do everything, don't I? You know, Billy can't just do it by himself. You know, that's that's just mean. Um, and... Well, <laughs> Give them a help out there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And in Auckland and Northland, Rotorua and uh, Whangarei, I think, as well. In the next couple of days, there are going to be some showings. So uh, please go to that website, riveroflies.co.nz, to get the ticket times and whatnot sorted for yourself or contact uh, Ruakaka Resources at gmail.com. Rua, R-U-A, Kaka, K-A-K-A, resources at gmail.com. That's Barbara Rasmussen uh, to get more further details on that. Now, back to my very special guest, Brenton Faithful. Brenton, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, um, some of the things that you discovered whilst you were a, a funeral director that uh, <laughs> kind of became a bit controversial? Absolutely. Well, I think we're talking about the last three years, aren't we? I think mm. is that what you're referring to. I... So, so I remember reading on the parliamentary website there was a pandemic plan that was introduced by the previous party in, in June 2017 and it passed its third reading in August 2017 called a pandemic plan or an influenza plan and it outlined everything that we needed to do in the case of a, a pandemic. And a pandemic means it affects more than one country and a disease that affects more than one country. 
Now, the interesting thing was it rolled out in Australia about the same time uh, that they brought in a pandemic plan. But interesting, after 2020, when we went into the state of lockdown, this plan was never referred to um, at all. Uh, so the opposition government at the time never actually spoke up and said, hey, we actually have a plan. But instead, our government decided to wait for orders from the WHO instead of you know implementing our own plan, which meant actually we closed our borders. If you read it, the document's about 180 pages long, and I did take the time to go and read it. Um, it, it, it doesn't actually um, put us into a lockdown. I think there was a, another reason for that, which I'll go into shortly. But um, here we have a coronavirus, a novel coronavirus. Now, coronaviruses have been working for 40 years to try and provide some sort of cure for uh, coronaviruses generally provide a common cold or they can provide influenza as well, among other, other conditions. And they've never actually, because the coronavirus can mutate so rapidly and you'll never isolate uh, any, any sort of medication or something that can, that can um, reproduce itself uh, or manifest itself. Um, this is the, the, the virus can change its form in order to become more successful. A, a virus generally doesn't kill its host as well. If the host dies with some other particular um, condition, bacterial pneumonia or something generally is what, what kills, the viruses tend not to, uh, not to kill their host at all. So when this um, new virus came out, um, I, I, I jokingly said, um, it seems to affect the elderly and the people who have a weak immune system. I wonder if they're trying to stop the pension from being paid. You know, just jokingly to, to a colleague. And um, it turns out that yeah, it was affecting old people, but not children. I remember having a discussion with my GP saying the interesting thing, it, it didn't affect children, this, um, this new this new. Um, virus that, that came out and uh, there must have been something in, within it that T-cells that were stopping uh, children have T-cells that adults don't have so obviously got a natural immunity to it then we heard words like herd immunity and uh, government didn't want to have herd immunity um, and some months later it was revealed that there has to be some sort of antidote for this. I'm, I'm careful what I'm saying because I don't want to be uh, taken off the air, but um, we have to um, have some sort of methodology. And, and uh, this very famous person who was invented um, computer software was involved. He's, he's been involved as a Rotarian. He matched dollar for dollar for a um, eradication of polio in the world. And for every dollar the Rotary raised, he would put a, a, a dollar down towards it as well. But uh, a lot of countries didn't want to have them there because of the number of adverse reactions that were happening um, to the um, administration of, of um, medication he was providing. But he came on and said that there's 171 labs working on a, a, a cure at the moment, and we'll pick probably about seven or eight of them. And this was a statement that was made, and it turns out, that he made the statement because it's the ones that would be funded by his own corporation. So all the other laboratories really didn't have a show. It, it, it created this laboratory in Australia, apparently, said we have a cure 
but they were discounted. So the, the, the major pharmaceutical companies that were were selected, uh, one, I believe, had never made vaccines before. So um, let's... let's um, it, 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 traditionally, traditionally a vaccine or, or you know, medication to, would, would, would take, take 10 years through trials. You've got to try it on animals first and uh, select a few numbers of people. And, and they, they call the phases in which, which um, this remedy, this medication is, um, is rolled out. But all those trials seem to not have happened. And so the experiment was the general population. So I watched with interest because our own um, government agency gave provisional um, assurance this was okay based on the information that was given by the pharmaceutical companies to receive to receive this. And um, it was a six-month period that afterwards they, the pharmaceutical company had to provide our government with the necessary information. Well, that six months came and went, and there was still no information. Another month went by, came and went, still nothing. And on the eighth month, there was information provided that they requested another extension. So there's another nine-month extension given to the pharmaceutical companies to experiment this trial medication on the people of New Zealand. Now, I looked carefully. It was, it was going to be May 2024 when the experiment was over. May the second, um, when the, the trials would be over. So I just made a decision at that point. Okay, if this is an experiment, I'll, I'll wait for the outcome to decide whether I uh, would receive this medication or not. And uh, one of the things I observed after the after the introduction of the second, I think the initial trials. People, uh, their life came to an unexpected end after receiving the initial trial. So they, they halved it, they halved the dose, but still gave you the, the second amount three weeks later. Originally it was six weeks, and then brought it to three weeks. So three weeks later you received your second second dose. But after the second um, um, bit of medication you received, I started noticing people pass away. Now, Majority of people that die are elderly. They're in their seventies, eighties, nineties. So it's, it was quite a subtle thing, really. But the interesting thing that I observed was the people that rolled their sleeves up within the last two weeks to receive this. Now, questioning the family, very, very subtle. Very, very, very first person, first person was ninety-eight, but this fellow died really unexpectedly. He'd been to the doctor the day before and given a clean bill of health. You're not doing too bad for a 98-year-old. He'd walk every day, he'd swim every day, um, and this was this was August, so he was swimming, still swimming, and um, he passed away. And I said, hey, you don't think it was what he went to the doctor for yesterday, was it? They so gave him a, a, a – he rolled his, rolled his sleeve up, and they said, well, how will we know? You know? I said, well, I guess we won't, but oh, let's leave it. Anyway, the following day, had another death, and they said, oh, this is really weird because Mum just went to the doctor two days ago, and I said, oh, what did she go for? Oh, to get the, um, the, the you know, the, she rolled her sleeve up and had the medication. 
Um, and I said, how, how was she before that? She said, really good. But, you know, two days later, she's here. So I just made a little mental note to myself, started keeping a tally. Now, the first 20 from that point, 19 people died within two weeks of receiving medication for for the COVID. Um, if this, is, this is bizarre. This is, must be more than a coincidence. So I kept counting. Never, never revealed to the families um, because I don't think people want to feel like they've been involved in some sort of experiment. So I just kept it, kept it to myself. And after 12 months, there it was, um, 95% of the people who had received a, a medication passed away within two weeks. And um, I spoke to another doctor who was belong to the, what they call the NZ Doctors SOS, speaking up for science. Um, he said, them, well, you know, each of these has batch numbers. Maybe the batch numbers where you live um, have been extremely potent or something because where he lived in Wellington, there wasn't, he wasn't aware of the deaths that were occurring like we were occurring. Now, I gave a presentation. I was asked to give a presentation by a local freedom group uh, locally. I didn't get paid for it. I just came along and, and offered to uh, the public what, what I observed. And... Um, that, that was a full house. So they offered, they said, would you do a second one? Um, so I, I did a third one in the same hall, and this is just the town where I live in. So we had three, three full house um, presentations, and each time there were over 200 people, yeah, 240 people, who were wanting an explanation because not, their doctor wasn't sort of, they felt, telling them the truth. A very good friend of mine was a GP, he is no longer a GP. He, he had a, a heart attack, and he's now on a pacemaker. He um, was trying to convince me the, the merits of having so uh, having a um, the medication. And I said uh, to him, "No, I'll wait. Thanks." Anyway, he he had a massive heart attack, and uh, he's the same age as me, so he's had to retire early. Um, and we've had a chat, and he, he, he said to me that the medical council is the only source of truth for the doctors. Don't take any notice from anyone else who might want to share something with you. Don't read anything uh, other than what's provided to you. Um, so I was able to share with him uh, my concerns, and he, he went away from the conversation we had, which was over three hours, um, Quite a changed changed person in terms of perhaps the medical council don't know everything. Now, part of the criteria I think our government signed with the pharmaceutical companies was no, there's to be no um, independent scrutiny of what the products were. I know in Italy, the doctors were doing autopsies. That's where it started. Autopsies, they were finding unusual things like clots that were occurring in the body and our doctors, our pathologists didn't seem to be concerned about clots in the body. So I made an observation that these clots were occurring in patients that had been, that had been um, receiving the medication and the ones who, people who hadn't been receiving didn't have the clots. Now some of these clots are quite long um, a colleague of mine said he had one that was 800 millimetres 
which means it goes down the entire length of the femoral um, artery down through your calf. Um, that's where it's extracted from. I was in possession of a clot that was taken from uh, a woman. It was at least 600 millimetres long, who was still alive, but she died later that night with, um, with a clot in her lung. So these clots that are occurring, the process um, of how they occur was totally foreign. The, the, they're not a, a normal clot. They've been analysed by independent laboratories. And um, finding the, the, the chemical composition of these are not like a normal blood clot. There's a complicated process that occurs with clotting, coagulation, <coughs> fibrin platelets, and all the different other factors that are, occur. Christmas tree factor and factor X and things that occur with clotting. But these are these are long and rubbery, and uh, they, they, they can be quite short as well. I've seen a lot of little short ones, but it's only in uh, people who haven't received uh, the, the jab in their arm, let's say. So I saw Richard Looney, who is an English funeral director, speak out. Now, he's not an Obama, but he was witnessing this. He was being the mortuary when his Obama was embalming. And, and there's another American, um, uh, Richard Hirschman, who was a trade embalmer. Now, that's all he does all day is just embalm, embalm one body after another. He goes around visiting several funeral homes who may not have their own embalmer. Now, I, I, I began... When I first saw Richard and uh, John speak out about these clots, and I couldn't concur. I couldn't see these. But, but our rollout, remember, was six months later, after England, after America. So after those six months is when I started seeing them. And I talked to colleagues as well. I said, are you seeing these as well? And they said, yes, but we're not allowed to say anything. We're not allowed to speak out. So I belong to a group within New Zealand of funeral directors, and we call ourselves awake funeral directors. We're in communication all the time with each other uh, of what we're seeing. And it's not only me, but only I have chosen to speak out. Um, it's, it's, I've been attacked by the media, the mainstream media as well. They investigated, even reported me as a justice of the peace for speaking out um, what they said was against the government. But the Minister of Justice at the time just replied back to the uh, media to say that Brenton is entitled to his own opinion on anything as long as it doesn't interfere with his judicial duty as a justice of the peace. So I can't offer my opinion on anything um, whilst I'm serving at the time. Indeed. Brenton, we'll have to uh, come back in, in just a few moments here. We're coming to break. Last freaking segment coming up this has been really eye-opening and uh i'm sure quite terrifying ladies and gentlemen so just uh smiles on your face and it will be right back says the essence of jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of jewish power jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it but never talk about it my awakening really sums up with the very best evidence the facts and the truth about race and the fact that race drives history and the truth about the jewish question the younger you get the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup you know lgbtq rs this woman she's like oh yeah 
yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show. Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To learn more about this amazing breakthrough, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. very much for joining us uh, today now let's uh, continue on with your little story there go right ahead brother yeah just can't remember what we're up to just before the break i think um yeah it's an observation of the of the clocks now it it's not on everybody it's not on everyone who's received the medication it seems to be in about 50 percent of the people receive their medication one lady spoke to me um at a talk that i gave um i've got a probably done um, close to a dozen around the country, you know, all, all unpaid. So I'm not getting, there's no financial gain for me to, to speak out. I, I need to help my fellow man. One lady said that she received, rolled up, went to the doctor's surgeon, rolled up a sleeve and it was administered into her arm and she went out to her car and 
put a cup on there, what we call a suction cup, and she, it's got a vacuum system available to it. And after 15 minutes, she said, out came this little white, little white plot. She said it was about four millimetres, about a quarter of an inch, um, just under a quarter of an inch wide, and about um, 20 millimetres long, which is just short of an inch long, came out of her arm. So this, whatever the process that happened in her arm, virtually happened immediately. So um, there's a lot of scientists I know looking at the moment, looking for uh, the, well, not only the composition, they know the composition of what these little white fibrous calamari plots are. They're looking for how the processes that the body is manufacturing these inside. And it appears to be something to do with a spike protein uh, that's causing the body to manufacture these. Um, they They were called an uh, amyloid protein, but I think scientists are more looking at the fact that they're not quite so protein, um, like a word, full of protein. They're, they're um, something else that's occurring. Now, I know there's nanoparticles contained uh, within the injection. There's, um, there's all sorts of things that we don't even know about that are contained in the infected material safety data sheet that you get is completely blank to tell you what's inside them. But I know analysis has been done by independent laboratories, but our government has said there's no um, independent scrutiny allowed as part of the contract that they they had with the pharmaceutical companies. So um, it remains a mystery as to what what these are. Um, Doctors must be aware of it. In fact, I think the, the... the, the British Health Authority has just made a statement saying that long COVID uh, is causing clots in, in people. Now, mm-hmm. um, I've not had COVID myself. I've not received medication. I've not been ill, but I've been in many, many places where the ward is apparently full of, of people. I have chosen predominantly not to wear a mask unless I actually have to. Uh, through the whole process, through the, the lockdown period, because masks actually don't work. We were told that right from the start. Dr. Anthony Fauci told us, our own Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, what it to me is represented in our side of compliance with the government. Indeed. One second, uh, Brenton. We'll be right back after this short break, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wait a second. That's, that's the, actually the end of the show. Oh, mate. All right. Well, in that case, Brenton, where can people find you? Where can people email you? Brenton, B-R-E-N-T-O-N dot, um, I'm sorry, Brenton at faithfuls, F-A-I-T-H, F-U-L-L-S dot co dot N-Z. Brenton at faithfuls dot co dot N-Z. Thanks, Vinny. Thank you, brother. Fast as hour in talk radio, ladies and gentlemen. Didn't get any faster than that. <laughs> Please go to the com, the Kiwi Bank, and... Uh, Corporate media dominates the American there. opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? 
Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 